Thank you, Pastor Tito. Uh, just one correction. I know that's probably my, my bad of giving uh, Tito some bad information, but the, the website for Love Patterson is actually live now. So you can go, it opened up on April 1st to go and begin picking which project you would like to be part of for our community. So Love Patterson is happening on, on, on April 30th. The, the website is actually live now uh, if you want to go ahead and start picking out which project you would like to do uh, because it's going to be a great day. We haven't had Love Patterson here in a really long time. Uh, they've been doing Love Turlock and Love Modesto, Love Tracy, all these other Love Our Cities in our community for a really, for a long time. It goes back many, many years. Uh, but the Love Patterson's actually been on kind of a hold for the last few years, but we're, we're doing it this year. So it's not just a new life thing. There are dozens of organizations in our community and churches who are, or, who are going to be a part of this. So we'll give you more information about that later on uh, to, to let you know about what the majority of us here at this campus are going to be doing on that day. So the website is live, lovepatterson.com. You can go in there and start picking out which uh, project you would like to be a part of on that day. Hey, just wanted to say if you are new here, uh, we have a free gift for you. So please do not leave without receiving the gift that we have. Once you got those doors uh, and you are leaving, then you will see a table on your left. And there's a really cool, beautiful little coffee mug there. It's got our New Life logo on it. And that is our gift to you for being a guest here at New Life Patterson. I want to say thank you so much for being here. And uh, we also like to say that if you do not have a home church and you're here for the first time, then we want to say to you. Welcome home. Hey, you know, every week we look around and we keep getting more and more people. Uh, those of you uh, that, that normally come the second service and are not here during our first service uh, this morning, uh, normally we have anywhere from 30 to 40 people uh, here for first service, but this morning we, have, we had over 50 for our first service. So we are growing. God's bringing people in. And so it's so exciting to see what God's doing here at New Life Patterson. And like we've said a couple of times, we're doing things a little bit different today. We only opened with two songs. Normally we do three or uh, three or four. That's because we are doing communion during the middle of our message uh, today. So if you have those communion elements, you can go ahead and start preparing those because I know it can be a little challenging sometimes. But if you have your Bibles with you, we are going to be in the Gospel of Luke, the biography of Jesus from Luke. Okay, it's one of the four Gospels. If you're new to the faith, uh, the, the Bible is separated into two different portions, the Old Testament and the New Testament, or the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, as they uh, used to be called. And so the first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels. They're basically the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so we are going to be in the Gospel or the Good News of Jesus from Luke, okay, chapter 14. So like we said, today is going to be a little bit different. Over the last several weeks, we've been looking at how Jesus has gone to different places and he's gone to different people. Uh, week one, he went to the desert and he faced temptation. And then he went to a wedding and he brought a miracle of newness. And we talked about what the, the significance of what that meant of him going to the wedding and turning, turning that water into wine. And then he went to an outsider. Pastor Tito did a great job by talking about Jesus going to uh, people uh, that consider themselves outsiders, which is basically all of us, and how he brought them in. And then last week, we talked about how Jesus goes to those unexpected places, those uh, and to those unexpected people, those unexpected places on the inside of us that we think Jesus doesn't care about me mentally. He doesn't care about me emotionally. He doesn't care about, and then all of a sudden he dives into those unexpected places of our lives and brings connection and life to the Father. So today we're going to learn how Jesus went to the table. And not just any physical table, but the table of grace. 
And we're going to dive into the teaching around this of why Jesus did this. But more than that, we're actually going to experience that today as a faith family. So it's going to look a little different. It's going to be a little more interactive. But my hope and my prayer is that at the end of this message today, that it's more than just a lesson. But instead, it's, it's a deeper encounter of God's grace and really understand what Jesus is truly inviting us into today. Okay, Jesus said he was teaching one time and he started talking about the kingdom of God. And he said that the kingdom of God, that when it comes, it's going to be kind of like a feast, a party, a banquet that he's inviting us into, which is actually a picture of God's abundance. It's actually a picture of God's uh, generosity and blessing to us. So let's read about this story that Jesus communicates to the people around the crowd in just a yet another parable. Remember that every time Jesus talked, he talked in parables, stories to really get people to connect with what he was talking about. So he tells this parable, this story in the gospel of Luke chapter 14. And he says this, hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus. Okay, notice he's at another table. And he asked him, he exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus replied with this story or this parable. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests. Notice that, that's critical. Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, well, I have a field. I bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. And another said, well, I've bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. <laughs> Please excuse me. And then another said, I just got married, so I can't come. So the servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly then into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, then go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. Will you bow your heads with me real quick? Father, thank you so much for your words. I like to say that they are nutrients to our soul. They are what draw us closer to you. So, Father, I pray that you'll speak your words through your servant to your people. May we learn. May we grow. In Jesus' name, amen. So this story is really, it's, it's all about what the kingdom of God looks like and what it's going to look like. Now, Jesus did something here. Remember, I said at the beginning, here he is sitting at the table again, and he keeps doing this, and, it's, and it keeps getting him into trouble. He keeps going to a table, and he keeps inviting others to join him, to come and sit down and have a meal with him. He knows the law. He's obeying the law, but he's still hanging out with all kinds of surprising people, and this is driving the religious people nuts. It's like Jesus walking through Patterson and inviting the homeless and all the, all the, what society would deem as rejects and asking them to sit down and have a, a dinner with him. And it's driving all the pastors in the community bonkers because we don't think Jesus should be doing this. So there's a question that reflects how Jesus went about 
this whole feast and this whole table thing. And it's a question that I want all of us to wrestle with this morning. And it's this, who does God really want at his table? Who does God really want at his table? I mean, how big is God's table? I mean, how many places are actually set? And what do I do to get an invitation to the table? How do I get a seat at the table of God? So here's your first feeling for, for the weekend. Those of you that don't know, you can open up our app, and that's where the message notes are located. You can just plug those in, and you can also archive it. You can write it down. So here's your first feeling. Jesus invites me into relationship. Jesus invites me into relationship. So you have to understand how great this story is. Because the host decides that he's going to have a party. And in those days, the invitation process uh, actually happened in two different phases, in two different stages. So first, the host would let, uh, he would let the people know days and even weeks ahead of time that there's going to be a party. This is the date that I'm going to throw a party. And then he asked for a commitment for those who are going to attend. Tell me if you're going to be here. I need to know how much food to prepare. So I need to know that you're going to be here. He's asking for a commitment. And we do this too. If we're going to throw a party, we send out an invitation. What are the four letters that we put on the bottom of that invitation? RSVP. We need to know, are you coming? And if you RSVP, that's your commitment, right? That you're going to come be a part of what's happening. That helps me know how much food I need to have. So on the day itself, the food is ready. The preparations are complete. And the servant goes out to announce that it's time to begin. And he's saying, come on, let's do this. The party's about to, about to happen. And it's the servant that does this, not the master to the people who are already on record to attend. These are people who have already sent in their RSVPs to the master. And now they're backing out. And now they're beginning to give their excuses. And, and then Jesus lists all these pathetic, lame excuses to the crowd. He lets them know the excuses that they're giving because the crowd listening to Jesus at, their, at this parable, they are going to recognize and know that these excuses are not legitimate, that they are pathetic and that they are lame because the first guy says, well, I bought a field and I need to go look at it. That would be like you and I say, well, I bought a house. I haven't seen it yet, but I bought a house and I need to go see what this house looks like. And then the second guy says, well, I bought five oxen. Now I want to go try them out. I want to go see if they work. It'd be like us buying a car and say, well, I just bought a car. I don't know if it runs. I don't know if there's an engine in there, but I need to go see if this car runs. And then the third man says, well, I'd love to, but I just got married. Well, you would have known months in advance when this wedding's happening. So why did you send in your RSVP? These are not legitimate excuses. And here's what's going on in this scene. This is what I want us all to wrestle with today. Because what they're communicating is to the master is this. Well, it sounded good at first, but now... Today, uh, I've got something else to do. I've got more important things to do. It's like telling the host, I liked the idea of the party, but today I'm just not sure. I'm not sure that I want to be there. This is good for everyone else, but it's not good for me today. And I hope you're catching the spiritual significance to this. Jesus is the one who came to make the announcement. 
And he's saying the preparations are complete. The party is starting. The table's been prepared, so come now. And what do we do? We like the idea of God's kingdom, but maybe not the reality. Maybe this is good for them, but it's not good for me now. I'm not so sure that I want to turn from the way I'm living because I like it so much to live differently. That's good for you, but it's not good for me. You can go fulfill your RSVP, but today for me right now, I'm just not feeling it. 2,000 years ago, the invitation was given. When Jesus died on the cross, the invitation was sent out to humanity. You can know God. You can have a relationship with him. Jesus is inviting us to come and be a part of what he's doing. Remember, he prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth now as it is in heaven. Not later, but now. And he's inviting us after his death. That was the invitation that went out to all of us. Come be a part of what I'm doing. Come be a part of God's kingdom now. Look what Revelation chapter 3.20 says. Look, here I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me calling and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal as friends. That's the good news of Jesus. That the time is at hand. The kingdom of God has come near. Turn from your old ways and believe the good news. Come on in. That's Jesus. And he's inviting all of us to come. But are we given excuses? Jesus is saying, don't miss out on this because this invitation is for you. This invitation goes out for every single person. We have an invitation to join his table of grace. And that leads us to number two. Jesus invites me to the table of grace. He invites me to the table of grace. So how how inclusive is God's kingdom? Who's invited? Who's on that RSVP list? There was actually a Hebrew phrase for the people that Jesus would hang out with that literally meant the people of the land, the people of the land. And these were folks who, they didn't know the law. They didn't know all the religious uh, ideologies. They didn't know all the religious traditions. They maybe knew a few, but they didn't know a whole lot of them. And so they were regarded by the religious people as ignorant, as backwards. Some of the religious people actually considered these people to be embarrassing to society. And you think about it, even in our day, uh, who we eat with reflects some kind of social status, doesn't it? Especially when you're in school. We talked about this a little bit last year. It kind of symbolizes who's in our group and who's out. Who's in our circle of friends. Who's in our network of friends and who's out. Okay, you know, back in high school, for those of you that, that, that maybe, maybe engaged in this in high school, at least when I was there, we had different tables at lunch. You know, now I think, you know, especially in California, but in the, in the colder states, you kind of ate lunch all together with your, with your, you know, with your class. But you had different tables and you didn't cross tables, right? You had a, a table for the jocks and the cheerleaders. All right. And then you had the table over there for all, for all the band kids. They all sat together. All the nerds sat together. You, you knew exactly where all the stoners sit. You know, they all kind of sat together. There was no, no question of, of what they were. The shop and the tech guys, FFA, they all kind of sat together, the drama geeks. And I was part of almost all of those because I was the guy who played football. I ran track, but I also was in theater. 
and I love to sing, and uh, I took shop, and so I would be all the way on the other side of the campus taking electronics in shop with all those guys, and then have to go all the way to the other side for my next class, which is in the drama room. So I, I, choose, to kind of, uh, I choose a different table all the time because I was like, well, I have friends that like all these tables. But Jesus did that. Imagine, imagine a, if you're sitting there you know, with all your jock friends and all of a sudden one of the nerds comes and sits with you at your table. Not just once, but like day after day after day, then people start looking at each other and some of the other jocks are like, doesn't he or she understand? We're not supposed to do this. We're not supposed to intermingle. We're supposed to stay separate. Now in Jesus' day, multiply this a hundred times. To eat with somebody was to make a statement that they're part of your community. To eat with someone is making a statement that they're actually maybe even part of your family. It was unthinkable for a righteous person to eat with those people. They just didn't do it. And then Jesus comes along like he always did throughout Scripture, and he messes up the whole thing. He just comes in and says, I'm ruining this. I'm breaking these barriers. I'm inviting everybody that I can to sit with me and have a meal with me because he believes inviting everyone into fellowship that people might begin to change and that they're going to accept the kind of life, the, only, the kind of life that only he can offer, eternal life. So he invites them to his table on purpose, not just once in a while, but all the time. Every time he sat down with the table and invited the, the, the quote-unquote rejects of society to sit down and have a meal with him, he was basically, his life was telling another story, another parable. And in this particular parable, the master is determined that nothing is going to stop his party. So he summons his servant in and says, go quickly. Not just go out, but go out quickly. And that word is in there because Jesus is saying that this is important. This is not only important, but it's urgent. Inviting people to the table tops every other priority in our life. Trying to get our friends and our family and our neighbors and our coworkers to follow after Jesus is the most critical thing that you and I will ever do. Drop everything you're doing and go quickly. Go to the streets and the alleys of the town. Now, to the streets you would expect, that's where the, the nicer homes were supposed to be, right? But then he says, go to the alleys. The alleys, Jesus, that's, that's kind of dangerous, right? Again, to the unexpected places that we discussed last week. Because we, when we think of the alleys, we think, ooh, that, that could be a dangerous spot to go down. I mean, who lives in the alleys? All the wrong people, Right? I mean, guess, guess, guess who, 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 who can never pay him back? I mean, these are people that when you throw a party, you don't think of filling your entire list of RSVPs from people who live in the alleys. But the master does. Go to the streets and alleys of our own town and bring in who? Go out and bring in the poor. Go out and bring in the blind and the crippled and the lame. All the quote-unquote wrong people again. And Jesus brings them all in again, all of, like we said, society was deem, would deem as rejects because you and I, no matter where we've been, we have been invited to the same table of grace because it's easy for us to look at people and to be judgmental, right? Because we forget where we were. We forget what we've done. All we can do is just look at what they've done. And, for, and, and, before we, and, and before too long, we're looking and saying, well, I don't know if God's grace extends to them. I'm just glad it was extended to me. 
I'm glad I was invited to this table of grace. But let me just say that no matter what our past is, no matter where we have failed, even if we look good on the outside, we are all in need of God's great grace. And this reserved sign is true. There's a reserved sign at a lot of these seats, and it's reserved for you. It's reserved for me. It's reserved for your friends and your family and your neighbors and those that you seem to not even get along with. There's a reserved sign, sign for them as well to come and be a part, to come and remember, to come and celebrate Jesus in the price that he paid so that we all could come. So we're going to do things a little different. I'm going to invite the band to come on back up. If you will, get your communion elements ready. They're going to do another song talking about the wonderful name of Jesus. You can stay seated during this song. I actually want you to stay seated and kind of reflect during this song right before we take communion. I'm going to read some scripture. We're going to go into communion from there. But listen, you are invited to the table of grace this morning. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough for it. But because of your acceptance of what Christ has done for you, you are invited. It is reserved for you. So just stay seated and sing along with the band as they sing. Amen, amen. Let's go ahead and take your elements there. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says this, verses 23 and 24. This is the Apostle Paul as he's talking to the people of Corinth, and he says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. Then on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces, and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your broken body. Thank you, Jesus, that the wafer we hold in our hand, Lord, there's nothing mystic about it. There's nothing supernatural about it, Lord. We know that it is indeed a representation of your broken body. 2,020 years ago, Lord. God, that you voluntarily left your throne in glory to come, to be born of a baby, and know that 30 years later that you were going to be laid on that whipping post and allow your body to be broken for our sin. Lord, as we take this this morning, we remember that. We accept the fact that your body was broken for our sin. We believe that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat. Scripture says in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. This cup is the new covenant the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for allowing your blood to spill out as a once and for all sacrifice for my sin. Lord, again, we know that there's nothing supernatural or a mystic about this juice, Lord. We 
We drink it, Lord, as a representation of the blood of Jesus, the new agreement, the new covenant that we have with you, Lord, that when you died on the cross, that when you shed your blood, that that blood covers our sin, past, present, and future. We accept that agreement this morning, your invitation to join you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's drink. One of the greatest statements that Jesus made in the story that we're in, the parable, verse 22. If you've got a pen, you can underline this. Jackson, we could bring up the lights just a little bit, bud. You can underline this or maybe highlight it somehow. Take note of it in your, in your Bibles or on your phones. When the servant came back and he said, Sir, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. I love that. There's still room at the table. So how many can indeed fit at the Lord's table? One more. Always one more. What does that tell you about the size of the table? That this is a really big table. So the master sent the team out again. There's still room at the table. How unthinkable, how selfish it would be for us to gather into this room every weekend and think that this is only for us that there's still room in here. There's still room at the table of grace. There's still room at the master's banquet for one more. This time, don't just go out into the community, not just our own immediate area, our own town, but the streets and, our, and the alleys. But the invitation is to be extended beyond, beyond what we think our borders are. And that brings us to our final fill-in for the, for the weekend that Jesus invites me to extend the invitation, to extend the invitation. This time he says, go to the roads and the country lanes. Now it's time to go further. Go outside your community. Go outside your comfort zone. Go to the world. Go to all the nations and invite them to come. Jesus says, this is not your party. This is a feast that belongs to the master and he wants everyone to come. If you look back a chapter in Luke 13, you'll see this incredible statement that Jesus makes in verses 29 and 30. He says, people will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. In other words, God is after everybody. God's list, his RSVP list is super simple. It says, Everyone. <laughs> Back to verse 23. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in. Make them come in. I love that. The master says, here's what you got to do, guys. Don't take no for an answer. I want them. I want everybody we can get to come. Everyone is invited. You keep going. Keep going to the streets and the alleys of this town. You find everyone that will respond to you. And then you go outside of the town to the roads and the country lanes as far as you need to go. And when they've given you all of their excuses, you smile, you grab them by the arm, and you bring them anyway. So that my house may be full. That's the most critical statement. So that my house may be full. That's the master. That's God saying that he wants everyone at the table so that there's not a single vacant chair at my table, 
so there's not a single empty room in my whole house that my house may be full and I've got a really, really, really big house. That's God's heart. Because if you're here right now and you say, I am a follower of Jesus, I have actually accepted my seat at the table. It's because one day, one day someone came along the way and cared about you. One day someone came by and they invited you to the table of grace. One day someone talked to you about the grace and the love and the forgiveness and the hope of Jesus Christ. And God is saying, that's what I want you to do to the next person. It could have been your mom or your dad. It could have been a neighbor, a spouse, maybe somebody you work with, maybe a friend. But there is still room for more. How much room? One more. Always one more. There's a lot of room at the table. God's house is not yet full. So it brings me to this question. And this is the question I want us all to leave here today and wrestle with for the next two weeks leading all the way up until Easter. I hope this question just really messes with all of us. I want you to think about this question when you're in bed. I want you to think about this question throughout the day and when you wake up. Jesus has invited every single person here to his table of grace. So who are you inviting? Who are you inviting? Because God wants them to experience the same hope and love and grace that you've experienced. And we should want that as well, right? What about the people you work with, the people you rub shoulders with? What about them? What about the unlikely ones, the people that you sit back as a family and say, they would never go to church with me. They would never accept their seat at the table of grace. You have no idea. I've seen this happen dozens of times throughout my ministry. The ones, the most unlikely ones will be the ones that walk through those doors turn their life around, give their heart to Jesus. And you sit back and say, that is definitely a God thing. Who's your one? Who's your five? Who's your 10? Because right when we think there's probably no more room, there's room for one more. People have asked me, Pastor Jeremy, what are you gonna do when, 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 our, when all these seats fill up? I'll just bring up more chairs. But what if all the chairs fill up for both services? We'll just add services. I'll preach seven times a weekend. I don't care. I just want people to know Jesus. Right. Whatever it takes. That's where we all come in. And say, who am I going to extend the invitation? Because someone extended the invitation to me. Now, who am I going to extend the, the invitation to? In two weeks, we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We get to do that as a family. Who are you extending the invitation to? I know Pastor Tito uh, talked about the, uh, the Easter packets. We, we, we were able to print about 50 Easter packets. We have those on the table. As you leave, grab an Easter packet. Inside one of those packets are two invitation, two Easter invitations. Put that in somebody's hand and say, hey, just come once. That's what I tell people all the time. Just come one time. Check us out. If you don't like us, I'll never invite you back again. But just come check us out one time. Because one of our prayers is that the moment that people pull into this parking lot, that they feel something. That they feel hope. 
that they feel love, that they feel grace, that they feel forgiveness, and they already feel like they're part of our family. One of the greatest compliments that we have here as a church is people say, I never felt like a stranger from day one. I felt like I was supposed to be here. I love hearing that. But they can't feel that unless they come. I love what, I love what the master says. When they give you all their excuses, make them come. Drive them here. Feed them afterwards. That gets everybody to come, right? Come to my house after, after, after service and I'll feed you. There's still room for one more, guys. We all know that. I'm going to pray and then the band, don't go anywhere. The band's going to do one more song. Father, thank you so much for giving us the invitation to grace. Father, everyone here, uh, I would say most everyone here has already accepted that invitation or they wouldn't be here. So, but Father, I do pray, Lord, if there's someone here, maybe they haven't accepted your, your grace and your hope and your forgiveness, Lord, that they just embrace that right now, that they will look and see that <laughs> Jesus is inviting me to the table of grace and I accept that invitation. I've sent my RSVP in and I'm here. And from this day forward, on this day, April the 3rd, 2022, Lord, I move forward with my relationship with you. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you that in two weeks we get to celebrate the risen Savior. You're such a good God, Lord. We love you. We surrender ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I do want you to stand for this last song. Don't go anywhere. Join with us in this last song the band's got prepared. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here today. We hope you were blessed. Uh, guys, the next couple of weeks is going to be super good. Don't forget all the announcements, the journey with Jesus, the stations of the cross are going to be here Good Friday and the Saturday before. But until then, we have another message next week before we get into Easter. Jesus went to the storms. If you've ever had storms in your life, you don't want to miss next week's message as well. And then the week after that, Jesus went to the cross, all right? Easter's coming. We love you guys. Celebrate with each other. Invite somebody to be here over the next couple of weeks, okay? Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.